Hey everyone, what's up? It's your girl Nakia and welcome to the Fearless Kia Podcast. Awesome. Okay, we kick things off. So welcome everyone back to the Fearless Kia Podcast. I hope you are at home staying safe and spending this time with your loved ones. If you're not with them, FaceTiming them and checking in as we are all dealing with this global pandemic. This thing got me going crazy. I'm not even going to lie. Like everything. Um, I usually like to start off the podcast. Of course, you guys know, setting the tone with either a quote of the day, a scripture, or asking a question. So with this season, I want to start out with a quote of the day. And the quote of the day is, And one day she discovered that she was fierce and strong and full of fire and that not even she could hold herself back because her passion burned brighter than years. Mark Anthony. Mm, I like that one. Yes. Yes. Set the tone for the conversation today. I like that. Yes. So with that being said, I want to get into this week's podcast, guys. Nadia Sasso is a high power creative producer and unconventional scholar based in Los Angeles. Her expertise is combining traditional critical writing and research with media production and form digital storytelling via film, music, and fashion. Nadia has 10 years of relevant professional experience with documented success in the arenas of social innovation, strategic partnerships, and new media. Her portfolio proves that she is deeply invested and interested in media as a storytelling tool to engage and inspire audiences. She advocates for changing the way relationships are built, fostered, and established across various industries, both in the diaspora and on the African continent. Nadia is a frequent social impact honoree, prolific public speaker and panelist at prestigious conferences and universities, and recipient of the significant press recognition in major media outlets. She has been recognized by notables like President Barack Obama, the only president we know, (laughs) and Katie Current for catalyzing innovative and positive change via filmmaking and social work. More recently, she produced and directed an independent film featuring Issa Rae that has impacted Afro-millennials around the world. Having a PhD in Africana Studies from Cornell University, she provides expert insight and advice on content for TV shows and films relating to the African diaspora. Nadia is a creative genius and a mover and a shaker of all things digital with a focus on fashion, lifestyle, entrepreneurship, women's empowerment, and all things Africa and the diaspora. It is a pleasure to welcome to the Fearless Kia podcast, my best friend, Dr. Nadia Marie Sasa. Yay. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. (laughs) You know, we got to get virtual with it. (laughs) No, no. Corona can't stop anything. (laughs) I think for a moment, everybody took a beat and was like, okay, what do we do now? Mm -hmm. But thank God for technology during this time. Thank God for technology during this time. So it's interesting to see people taking different innovative and creative approaches to how they are approaching maybe in real life events or productions and things like that. So um, even with me with the podcast, I'm like, I got to figure it out because <laughs> I wanted to do this live, but um, this is really live technically. So yeah, no, it is. It is. It is. And yeah. you're making it happen. And I'm just happy to keep seeing you live out your dream and nothing can get in your way. So Thanks, sis. Well, you know, it's been a long time coming, so I know everybody's probably thinking, like, girl, why are you just having your best friend on the podcast five seasons in, but me and I <laughs> live in the same area. She right. 
She also, yeah. at that time, was in two different, I feel like she was like two different levels. Either she was in her PhD at Cornell or she was getting her master's at Lehigh. So this is. And then I moved to Sierra Leone for a whole year. Sierra Leone for a whole year. On, so. Not as book blessed and busy as Kayla Walker would say. So <laughs> I'm just glad we were, we're in the same city now and we're able to do this. Right. Like, yes. Super happy to be able to finally get this episode on the book. So I like to start out, Nadia, usually asking my guests, what is your deepest fear? We kind of just go right there. So what is your deepest fear? So for me, my deepest fear is not being able to, you know, take care of my family and not necessarily in the now or the present, but more so for generations to come. So building generational um, wealth in some sort of way, because I just see the impact of what it's like to, you know, especially with my parents being immigrants, which is a good and a bad thing, but to come to a place and not necessarily have a plan laid out and how that affects, you know, your kids and your kids' kids and their opportunities and everything else. And so I kind of want to change that. Yeah, for sure. I wanted to ask you with that fear, Mm -hmm. how did you develop it? Where did Uh, it come from? Were there a certain um, experience or was there certain trauma that occurred? How did this fear kind of develop for you currently? Um, it really started in, um, well, a little bit in high school. So I saw my parents struggle, but I didn't really, you know, I just kind of always try not to be a burden to them. So I started working at an early age or it started with me doing hair and working in a hair salon and then selling things out of my locker and then getting a job at the airport, Ronald Reagan Airport, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, up until um, getting ready to leave for college. And then I went to college and then my parents with the housing, you know, crash and everything that happened then, we lost our house. So I I remember leaving for college and everything was super exciting and coming home for Christmas break and there was no home. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so it was like, okay, it was the realization of there's you and there's everyone else. And if they're not doing good, you know, I was kind of raising this like communal sense. It's kind of like, you're not doing great. Mm -hmm. And so my, is, you know, I had always kind of like, okay, take care of yourself. But now it's not just take care of yourself. Now it's like, okay, now how do we make sure this doesn't happen again? And how are we staying ahead of, you know, issues like this? Because, you know, it takes a mental toll on you as well. So that's where it started. I would say a little bit into high school, I kind of noticed it. Then it got, you know, when I went to college and then my mom got sick. And so and then you have to account for things like that illness, which no one plans for. And then what does that do to throw a wrench in whatever plans or your financial situation mm-hmm. or whatever the case may be? So, yeah, it developed off of a lot of life situations and having to grow up really fast. Yeah. Speaking of your upbringing, I know you talked about it a lot. I was going to say, has that impacted the way you see yourself raising your own family since you, you know, you don't want to be in the place where you're not able to provide for your family for generations to come, have you found that that upbringing impacted the way you see yourself in in raising your own family? Yes. So the weird thing is I had to do a lot of self-discovery with understanding, you know, again, a lot of it too has to do with culture. So in our culture, you do take care of your family and you do take care of your parents and you do take care of those around you. It's really about self. But then in living in Sierra Leone and then having people my age and, you know, being friends with them that are also from the you know, have lived in the U.S. or come back, I realized that, you know, my parents were trying to replicate something from a country that doesn't work well in America. 
I think that was part of the failure as well, because in Sierra Leone, you're living in a family home. You're living on your family's land. And so therefore, financially, you're already set up with some type of generational wealth. But when you move to America, a land that's not yours, you're paying a mortgage, you're paying on something that's not your land. And so the bills just get passed on where it's open there. There's not necessarily bills. It's just more so, you know, taking care of and responsibility. And then it's built in that your parents then take care of your kids. It's just it's just a system that's built in place for you to succeed, and then taking that system and bringing it here doesn't really work. Yeah, and so I just realized I have to kind of remix, and yeah, so it does impact the way I'm going to raise my kids because I have to take a little bit of what I can from there, or try to replicate that and make that work here with wealth, <laughs> right? Or I have to you know adjust to the environment that I'm in and realize that that's the only way it's going to lessen the burden. So there's not, you know, there's not this heavy lifting that has to be taken upon or this black tax that we take on uh, to care for our loved ones or our our family. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Are there any sacrifices that you made for your family that impacted your own self journey? Oh, yes. um, A lot. (laughs) Oh, girl. (laughs) A lot, a lot of sacrifices have been made. Um, I don't even really take the time to even uh, relish on them too much because I don't want to, you know, it's a fine line between being, you know, you do them for your loved ones and you do it out of love. And then there's also a line of like, damn, was that stupid? Or, you know, should I have been thinking about myself more? So, I mean, the major one right now was that I'm raising my niece. Um, And so that has been a major sacrifice because I got her when I was about 20. 24, 23, 24. Mm-hmm. So most of my 20s, um, you know, the re- a lot of times it's more so, you know, also financially sending a lot of, you know, helping a lot of my family members as well. And my parents, because, you know, my mom is so sickly and my dad has been taking care of her. So, you know, doing what I can and going above and beyond. And so sometimes that means having two households to take care of. And yeah. so... Yeah, there there are a lot of sacrifices and that might mean I'm not going on that trip or you know, I have to miss out on some things or whatever the case may be, but but it is what it is. I think there's a reward to come later on and I don't know, I just live by the motto cry now laugh later. I think that I put in the work now and it'll all come full circle. Yeah, how do you find that balance of taking care of your family but also prioritizing yourself? at the same time, right? Because you have to be the best version of yourself in order to show up for everybody else. You are supporting. So how do you, how do you find that balance? What practices are you taking to, to, so I I didn't realize balance was necessary until about 2012. I wouldn't say I had a breakdown, but it was definitely close. And so that was the first time I seek therapy. And ever since then, I've been in and out of therapy or trying to stay in therapy for the most part. I think that has been a major concern. I mean, a major, not concern, but it has been a major tool for me mm-hmm. in learning boundaries and, and, and setting expectations and properly communicating what is it that I need and what I expect and what it is I can't do and what it is I can't do instead of just holding everything to myself. And so I still do it, but I do it within reason. And I think I would not have been able to do that without a therapist to help me learn how to communicate with African parents (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) and also, and also, you know, get what I need out of life. And then I think also I've always, I think moved away. I 
you know, a lot of people might criticize me for living a little bit further from my parents, but I think that has been helpful in its own because I've been able to grow on my own without, without their expectations or their thoughts impeding on myself. And so I would say distance therapy, uh, (laughs) a whole host of other self-care things, but those are the top two that have helped. And don't get me wrong. I love my parents and I love my family, but sometimes you have to space and boundaries are very important in order for you to accomplish what you need to. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to ask you like understanding that space and boundaries, how has like the journey into motherhood because Although you, you know, you are the legal guardian of your niece, you, you are a mother, right? And so how has that journey into motherhood propelled you into the woman you are today? Wow. You know, so I always had a plan, you know, or I'm very type A, <laughs> especially. And then not to, you know, a Scorpio, we're very like gung ho. We're going for what we want and we're going to get there. Right. And I think motherhood has taught me that you can be as type A and as planned as you want to. But if, if it ain't right, if shit ain't going the right way, it ain't going to go the right way. And if she's sick today, then she's sick. You, you got to drop everything that you're doing. It doesn't matter what you wanted to do. If she is not getting enough attention, which normally looks like the child acting out, then that means you need to cancel whatever plans you was about to have and, you know, redirect that energy. And then it also has shown me that like it's put life into perspective. We put, I used to put a lot of emphasis on accolades and where I'm going and uh, what I'm doing and motherhood. I've had to turn down a lot of jobs or opportunities because they don't necessarily work well with my schedule for her or what she needs. And it's definitely put my placement, not necessarily into my value into being a mom, but it's definitely my value into being a person and taking care of self first and yeah. those for, and you know, and those closest to you first and then let everything else fall into where it may. Cause if you, if you're not mentally great or you're not, you know, if you're not healthy period and the child that you're taking care of is not healthy, then there's not, there's nothing that's gonna, you're not gonna be able to do anything. Right. Absolutely. Cause now it's like this interchangeable bond. Mm-hmm. Yeah, locked and lock key and stuff. So one right. not, you know, it's like the union is one person is not aligned and that impacts the other one. Yeah, person. then yeah. Yeah, absolutely. One of the questions I always think about and just knowing our friendship, but wanted to ask you, like, when your niece or your daughter, you know, niece daughter interchangeably mm-hmm. grows up, what is one like guiding principle that you want her to know? Um, guiding principle is like to how to live her life. How to live her life, maybe to understand like the sacrifices you've made, you know, for her. I think it's hard right now, the child, when you're still process, you're in it, you know, but as you get older, you're able to kind of grapple more of the decisions that we, even as children, our parents have made, they were like, okay, now make sense of it. Whereas when you're in it, you, you're not able to really process process everything it's funny because it's like what is that what would you want her to know you know it's funny because I you know as parents you want to protect them from everything and you want everything to seem as pristine and as perfect as possible 
Uh, but recently, um, I've had to sit her down because she's very entitled. <laughs> and she's 10, but I think she's hit puberty a lot earlier age. So it feels like I have a teenager. And I'm just not the person who's like, oh, I did this because of this. Or I made this sacrifice. I just never have been that person. Mm-hmm. But with her, I had to have a conversation with like, look. This is what has happened. This is, you know, and she's in her situation is very unique. These are the situations that have occurred as to why you're here. And you need to be more understanding and grateful. You need to help me so I can help you. You, you know, you need to not take for granted all these things that you have because Mm -hmm. they will not be here tomorrow. So if anything, I think the two guiding principles I have for her right now was to be grateful and so, and to have confidence. And so we do affirmations and we're always, when we're doing our prayers at night, what are we thankful for? I need her to understand that. And because that's the only way, once you start thinking outside yourself, you can then, I don't have to tell you to, you know, support mommy or to support your grandparents or whatever. You're already naturally in tune with that. And then just going the extra mile. I think that's something that I have really worked hard to instill in her. Don't, we don't do easy. We do excellent. Like don't, don't have that shit, like get it together. Because if you start getting in the habit of that now, it's going to be second nature. And you're always going to, it's not being perfect. Don't get me wrong, but it's like, don't don't have that shit because you're not gonna get far with that. Right. Well, it'll catch up to you. For yeah. Sure. Exactly. Well, I want to kind of switch gears a little bit and talk more about your journey as far as your career. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have three degrees. Your most recent degree is a PhD mm-hmm. in Africana Studies from Cornell. And throughout your career, you've had a multi multifaceted experience producing content, whether it's in television, media, film, the scholarly space. Can you speak to some of your notable works and the impact of each of those works that they um, had on your life? I would say my notable work, the first one would have had to, well, actually, I kind of take for granted our, our the first work that really pushed me out there and understanding the creative possibilities was being on Bucknell's campus. I would have to say, you know, being a president of Black Student Union or president of Essential and co-founders with you, I think the work that we were doing there, we, we take it for granted because it was school, but, right. you know, women of many hats, putting together a luncheon for women to kind of celebrate their diversity and who they are, I think, that spoke volumes into how I was going to continue doing work in that realm, putting together, uh, you know, we went to a school where we didn't really have activities that were catered to people of color or from urban environment. Right. And so creating those experiences for ourselves from, you know, the stomp out and to, you know, to the black arts festival, to all those different things. I think that's what really allowed me to see that you can be multifaceted. And if you have a great team, around you, you can get a lot of things done. So that impacted it because, you know, there was just a, I think, 10 year anniversary of a lot of these programs that we built at Bucknell University and they're still happening and they're giving the students of color at Bucknell and the larger population a way to experience our culture and to also Mm -hmm. celebrate themselves and to make themselves feel comfortable and at home in those spaces. So I think that was the first that we take for, that I normally take for granted. Uh, The second major project I would say would be my film, Am I Too African to be American or Too American to be African? Again, I think I took that for granted in the beginning as well because it started off 
with a as a project is where I wanted to discover myself of living in these multiple spaces of being Af- not being too African in one space, right. not being American enough in one space or not being black enough here or, you know, whatever the case may be. And I didn't realize it was it was a monumental decision until I started going on tour with it. And you would have students and celebrating the film or people crying like, oh my gosh, my everything finally makes sense. And now I can know how to maneuver or to, you know, what path I'm on. And now I can embrace this identity instead of being ashamed of it, of whatever the case may be. And so again, to change people's lives and to make them feel comfortable about the identity mm-hmm. is major. And the last one was my most recent one with 13 albums to 31 in which I created iconic album covers to tell my story and to be as transparent as possible with what I have been experiencing in the last 31 years of my life. And that morphed into a Because She Said So tour, allowing women to define themselves how they would like to because she said so. And having women be like, I can relate to that. And yes, it's okay to be Cardi and India and you know, Summer Walker all in one person because yeah. that's just the reality of the world that we live in. You can experience or express different versions of yourself and you should not be shamed for it or made to feel bad about it. And so I would say that my journey has been very non-traditional and creating the projects that I would like to see uh, based off of experience that I've experienced, mm-hmm. but it has definitely made an impact. And I think that that's what we normally live for is like, what will be your legacy? What, you know, how do you want people to remember you? How do you want people to feel about themselves? And so, yeah, that's kind of what I strive for. Yeah. And I think that's uh, what's interwoven in each one of those notable works is that you were creating content or spaces with uh, women of color throughout each one of those, regardless of what time frame that it happened from Bucknell to MI to, you know, because she says so, which is your 13 um, albums to 31. And you recently partnered with Sip and Sonder and the Culture LP to bring that showcase to life within the Sip and Sonder space here in Inglewood, California, as well as partnering with the Culture LP, um, who highlights a lot of Black creatives. But you brought together um, women to talk on a panel and be able to discuss kind of what is the multifaceted everyday woman, right? And let's deep dive into that conversation. Can you speak to the importance of working with as well as creating spaces for black women that are built on fostering authentic relationships and communities for creatives. Yes. Yeah, so it's it's funny because even when I don't try, I end up in that black black woman, the black woman of color space. <laughs> black. You yeah. know, you got the, the black or woman of color and it just always happens that way. And I think it says a lot because it's probably where I feel most comfortable or other women feel comfortable. And it's, and it's something to, you know, to really relish in, to be your, it's like the first step of being your authentic self. It's not necessarily just because it's a comfort zone, but I also think there's power in the work that we can create. And there's a male, you know, there's, there's also a power in male presence that can be great, but there's also one that can necessarily kind of mute 
certain women in a way that I don't really want them to. I kind of want them to be as loud and as boisterous as possible. And if they can get it in that space, then once they leave that, they can carry that same energy into, you know, other spaces. Uh, For me, I think it was very beneficial. I loved it most, especially when I was working on um, the 13 albums, 31. I think working with a female photographer, everyone in the room, um, being a woman was great. Even the lens in which the, the photos were shot, if you go back and closely look at it, is not necessarily a lens of, of you know, like, I'm not going to say that all men, when they shoot you, they're fetishizing over you, but it's not like, right. it's like a different way in which you're shot, even if it's a sexual tone, you know, because right. it's another woman. It's like, they can appreciate, you know, certain parts of you that I think is unique to just sharing that anatomy in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and also creates a level of comfort zone where you're not feeling, you know, judged or whatever the case may be by yeah. what, by or, you know, your insecurities aren't heightened. So I think it's important. I think that you have to always be your true self and understand your true self. And I, those spaces create for that layer of, you know, for a layer of security that we don't often get that privilege because of being either black or being, and then adding the woman layer or being a woman of color. Yeah. As my dad said, you always got two strikes against you because you're a black mm-hmm. and you're a woman. So you have to work twice as hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it is beautiful to see a black woman be able to match and work with so many black women creators, um, whether they have already skyrocketed in their career or up and coming, but to see the value and what they have to bring to the table when there's a lot of times that others may have not invested in their craft or may have not mm-hmm. invested in their, you know, work or their voice and, and why you have created spaces to give them platforms to do it. Right. So I, as your friend, have seen you do it time and time and again over, girl, how many years has it been? 2007 since 2007. Prior, 2006. Because you know we were a posse meeting. Yeah. We were a posse meeting. Maybe 2007. 2016 made it 10 years, so 14 years. Yeah, about 14 years. But I've seen it time and time and time again. And we'll get on to later later on in one of my questions, which I always... Like, well, I can ask now. I always sit there as your friend and I'm like, how does she do it all? Like, I know that's something that I'm not the only one that asks. I know that there's <laughs> a lot of people who are just like, how is she doing it all from you? You're raising your niece. You're going to school at the same time. You're taking care of your family. You know, you're you're literally balancing so much. And still making sure that you're creating spaces for other women to, you know, have a platform. And it's just like, my mom's just like, I don't know. Nadia is just built with a different armor. God was like, (laughs) you know, a different level of strength to be able to do this. But I literally want to know. There are days I'm like, girl, I just like, how you do how do you do I don't know. Oh. I, I, I've always kind of been like that, though, in a weird way. Like, I've always been super, like, I've always had, like, a lot of responsibility. Mm. So from day one, whether it was, you know, growing up, my mom was really busy with her job and my dad was busy with his career. So I, I would say my first child was probably my sister because... In yeah. third grade, like I got to wake up, do my hair, get her ready, then I got to get her hair done. Mm-hmm. And so it was always like, I was always juggling multiple things. It just 
may look different, but I was, you know, I was kind of taking care of her and then going to school and then coming home. Hey, Ma, what you need help with and keeping it going that way. And I don't know, I guess to whom much is given, there's much responsibility. I think the thing is I never really sit back. That has been the problem to really look at it from that lens. It was just like, it has to get done. And like, right. what? how do I get it? And what can I do to get it done? Recently, I've learned that I don't have to do it all by myself. So a lot more delegating mm-hmm. uh, just because I, I need to do that for self-preservation because there I will get really burnt out really easily, which is something I'm not as transparent about. But the burnouts do come mm-hmm. and they're not fun. And sometimes in forms of panic attacks or different things yeah. that have impacted my health. But... But yeah, it, it, it's been something that I've always done. And I, and I don't think that, I think if there's one thing I would change is not feeling like I don't have to do all of that by myself and I don't have to do all of those things. How can I, how can I, you know, ask for help and how can I ask other people and hold them accountable? So then that way there's more of me to keep giving and for me to keep doing all of these things. Absolutely, absolutely. I was gonna say like, even in this time, um, in my thought process and how I process is God is allowing us an opportunity to be still. And for some of us who are very on the go, busy, juggling so many things, like this is the first time where you've probably had an opportunity to just be, you know what I mean? No, for sure. You ain't got to do, you ain't got to run nowhere. You got to do This nothing. is the first time. Thank God for Corona. I mean, not in like a condescending way, but right. this is the first I would say this is probably the best vacation I've ever had because there's, there are no deadlines right now. I'm not racing against the clock. I don't have to rush to do this for this person or do that for that person. It's kind of like sit still and enjoy that the world is at a standstill. Mm. And then that way, you know how to move differently once the world has started back up again. And so that's kind of how I've looked at this. Now, the only thing that's really busting my ass right now is homeschooling. <laughs> <laughs> Girl, they canceled school in New York for the rest of the year. I said, "Woo, child!" And I think LA is the same way. I really, you know, I I have no. I'm gonna have to be creative. I might have to like lean on some friends to teach different subjects, but or we just might have to. I don't know. Homeschool might get canceled, but <laughs> it's just a lot. It's a lot, and I I want to enjoy this break, and I think she should too because. I'm sure these kids are going through a lot. No friends. No, it's just stuff. We're just stuck in the house. We can't do any, you know, we can't do anything to kind of like get them going or whatever the case may be. So I don't know. It's a lot going on, but the break is definitely. We'll come up with some courses. We'll come up with some courses. Yeah, I think we're just going to have to be creative with some courses and make this a little bit more entertaining. (laughs) Right, right. For sure. For sure. We here. We're all at home. We got time. And that's the thing I wanted to say, like, this is the first time where it's like, you know, when people say time is not promised, or this is the first time I'm like, yo, we have time. Like the one thing yeah. that's a luxury is, you know, at our disposal because we're mm-hmm. not going nowhere other than the grocery store. Yeah. The doctors, like, Which, again, used to be my happy place, the grocery store. Oh, my God. Be, and now it's a place full of anxiety and everything else. And I'm like, how the tables have turned. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Take it day by day. But that's what I was going to ask you too. Like, as a creative producer, how do you like stay motivated and productive during this time? Like, what projects are you drawn to? Where are moments where you have to just kind of be like, okay, I'm not productive and I'm okay with that? Like, how do you balance that in 
the house right now where you're not around people and you're not having those fuel into your creativity? So literally what I've been doing, I've been mostly in the ideation mode, to be honest. And I've just been, I have no cards everywhere of just thoughts and ideas and things I would like to flesh out uh, that, you know, once the opportunities open back up, but you know, there's been a lot of things you could do virtually. Like I wrote a script and so I probably do like a virtual table read of it just so I can know what mm-hmm. edits that need to be made on the creative space. But again, I'm not forcing anything. I'm with, if things happen naturally, they happen. If it's simple, then it happens. But for the most part, I've kind of taken a backseat off of a lot of the creative and pushing myself too much in that realm and really focusing on a lot of more business administrative things. So updating my business plan, um, updating all my books and working with my accountant to make sure that, you know, I'm up to date with, you know, all my, you know, the income that has come in and all my losses. And so that way I can also take advantage of all these small business grants that are out right now and these loans and these funds and different things. So to be honest, a lot of, yeah, a lot of it has gone to the more business side Mm -hmm. of my, of my life, um, working on that, working with my team, what systems, what systems have worked and not worked, uh, taking advantage of all this grants and funds and then cleaning up my books and my, you know, my business acumen. So then that way I'm going, you know, once this is all lifted, I'm really focused on that and I can go back to creative. Absolutely. So the blessing of the skies too, right? Because yeah. everybody looking at their books and looking at their finances and looking at their, how they, how they were living, you know what I mean? Like what, what was, what we were spending our money towards, what we were spending our time towards. Now we can take a step, step back and be like, what are some adjustments that we needed to make, you know, or, what are we learning about ourselves being in this space to see how we're vibrating higher versus when our frequencies are low versus like how much time I was giving to this and what I was negating, you know? And I found out even on my end, like where most of my, I have time now to really sit and be clear about the direction I want to go moving forward. Whereas before it was always like, well, I'm gonna put that on the back burner because I got to go to work and then I got to do this and then I got to do that. And then next thing you know, it'll never get done. Now it's like all the time in the world to get done. But I also think it's that balance of two understanding that, and I've seen this out in the internet space for a while is like, we're not like working from home. We're at Uh home. We're at home working through a pandemic. So it's like allowing and giving yourself grace to know that it's okay to take a beat and like beat in those emotions because it's not normal. Like this is, it is okay to absolutely do nothing too. Mm -hmm. You know, Hey, like I'm like, Hey, did you want to play a game? Let's play a game. And we can play that game for two, three hours and I can go to sleep at night and like, you didn't accomplish anything today. That's still a win. Because you need to breathe and you need, you know, you need to, you need it to just let go. So yeah, the, yeah, the beats, everything just as important as working hard. There's no wrong way to deal with everything that's happening right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was going to ask you, like, as you are um, pursuing or in process of pursuing your dreams and aspirations, what keeps you grounded and vigilant during life storms we're currently in one right now but what in general kind of keeps you grounded and vigilant um amidst those life storms that may have came prior to now and this one that we're currently experiencing so it's funny because really what keeps me i think going is so when i was younger or, or when things would happen my dad was like okay you can cry now you're done crying now what's next 
Mm. And before I thought that was like, oh, you know, you're raising me like I'm a dude or something, like, <laughs> you know, to lack some type of, you know, emotion in certain things. But it wasn't that he was saying to take out the emotion and things. He was just like, OK, now what? Like you, it's how you look at the. Are you going to look at it half empty? Or are you going to look right. at it half full? Right. And I'm so happy that I have that perspective. People may call me a true optimist in a lot of things. But for me. I, you know, so right before this happened, like my house was broken, my home was broken into, and it was like, mm. oh my God, you know, my safety, it's an invasion of privacy. There's so many things that you're thinking yeah. about. But then when I looked at it half cool, it was like, oh, okay, but you know, but you had insurance and now you have to like, now this is forcing you, you know, you were being lazy, Nadia, and you know, you need to be moving and you know, you need to have been doing certain things. So then it gave me an opportunity to do different things that I probably would not have done. Mm-hmm. And then also I did lose some valuable things, but like, did I really need those material things? No. So now I had the opportunity. I was like, I got a second chance at spending this cash. And what are you going to do with it this time? Yeah. The right way. Yeah. The right way. Um, and same with Corona. So, you know, being a freelancer in LA was, is it, it can be really, you know, hard sometimes when it comes to meeting your quarterly goals or whatever the mm-hmm. case may be. And even though things were really great, actually, before Corona happened, I think it was a time for me to take a step back and to, um, again, like I'm doing now, go through my goals, my business goals, my numbers and everything else in order to come back forward. And now look, there's so many grants and so many opportunities of money that you don't even have to pay back or interest free that I would have never had. Normally I do try to apply for grants as much as possible. I do like two or three a year, but now I, I've already done like seven since Corona has happened. And that's now going to propel my business in ways that I didn't even imagine instead of just focusing on the bigger, you know, the bigger things that everyone else is doing. So I, I, again, an optimist is how you look at the glass. I would not have had these opportunities if it wasn't for this. And so I think it's a way for God is putting me to be in a better position than I was before this even started. Yeah, absolutely. Now that we are in a new decade, Although it's starting a little rocky. rocky. You know, we're in a new decade. What do you want to manifest for your life and for your family? um, I think just good health, to be honest, is number one. I never realized how health was so important in these last couple of years from, from my mom to me battling my own mental health issues to whatever the case. So good health is number one, mental and physically. And I think I've tried to make those two things a priority and then everything else come after that. It's been hard because I'm naturally like a worker bee, like work, work, yeah. work, work, work. But uh, switching that around and just, you know, more prosperity. I think that, um, you know, in the most humble way, I put in a lot of fucking work and I think it's time for the payoff to come through. Please. How many years of school was you in? Yes. Okay. What? Okay. I'm waiting. For, so yeah, that's what I'm manifesting. I'm waiting for all of this to come full circle because it has been a long road. It has been so much bullshit that I've encountered from people to situations to, you know, just people pushing you. I mean, I'm thankful because it has really made me grow as a person, Mm -hmm. but I've been through the battlefield. I know there will be more, but I'm waiting to see what's on the other side. Yes. Amen. And there's still more to come. I feel like 
as long as long, once we get on the other side of this. I mean, like Biggie said, more money, more problems. But I mean, you know, that we'll part take more, we'll take the more money though. <laughs> right. Let's just go with the first one. The more money. Period. Um, I usually like to ask about you know love and dating, but I'll keep it very brief and very short. Uh, in that regard. <laughs> We all in quarantine right now, okay. <laughs> but um, where do you find love? You know, like having a partner mm-hmm. in um, the direction where you're going, like in your journey, in your life, and where you want to end up. Like, where do you find that fitting into? I think well, that I'm manifesting a partner that I feel like can be supportive. You know, be supportive with what my goals are because. Yes, I, you know, so a lot of people don't think I can cook or like I'm that homely person because they only see like the business Nadia or the nerdy Nadia all the time. So I can do that. And clearly I'm raising a kid and, you know, I could be all those things, but I just want a partner who understands that it has to be a true partnership and teamwork. Mm. Like I'm not going to have to, I'm not going to be able to probably... I mean, as much as I would love to, they may not be dinner made every day or a fresh meal. So can we, you know, can we take turns in getting that done? Or can we, you know, there's never going to be a too big of a task or too small of a task that we both can't be like, all right, I got it. You can get it next time. Well, I got it this time. Like literally a true partnership and true teamwork, I think is what I'm manifesting for the most part. And someone who could truly support my career as much as I would love to support theirs and truly understanding because when you're in this creative realm, entertainment realm, the hours and the day, everything can run into each other or there's going to be a lot happening. So just to be a lot of trust. And yeah, I think that's what I'm manifesting now. Trust, understanding, and true teamwork. Yeah. yeah. And someone who just goes as hard as me. That part. Yeah. To your point, even yeah. you just like articulating what that true partnership looks like for you where you are now and it's just like mm-hmm. so glad you spoke about that because it's like it's shifting like that this unrealistic yeah. we gonna have to just be creative i think we should leave all the norms outside come to the table with our non-negotiables and our negotiables and we should create something that you know makes both parties happy that we work with and go from there yeah, based on you and that person. Because everybody yeah, and our lifestyle and our wants and our goals. Yeah. I think that will be off to a great start if we can do that. <laughs> Absolutely, girl. Yeah, it's coming, you know, just with the money. The money. Yeah. And the man. Yeah. Then everything else. Then everything. I mean, whatever order, just like, just make it work. Make it all fit together. Like, make it all just work. Because normally you're made to feel bad if you're the breadwinner or you're working too much. And I think that has been most of the situation and most of the experiences that I've had is like, oh, you're, you know, you work too much or you're too concerned about your career. or You're too Mm -hmm. concerned about your family. It's just never enough. I'm always doing too much. So I feel like if there's someone else who does too much like me, then maybe. (laughs) We got to see. see. So we'll see. Well, that's just now. I mean, you know, I'm here for it, sis. I'm trying to be somebody, somebody, I'm trying to be somebody's bridesmaid at some point in life, you know. <laughs> I mean, you're going to be a bride too, so. But then again, also, it's like, I'm not really, that again, I'm not, marriage is great, right? But a partnership that is truly a partnership is more important than wearing a white dress or, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. or, 
the you know everything that society says because again i'm like i'm not gonna spend a whole lot of money on a whole on a whole freaking wedding if we ain't got it together if we not together yeah, you know what I'm saying like not together as in just dating, but like together and what what we're doing or lock and key. Court. Yeah, we're lock and key. Like I, you know, I ain't finna rush nothing because I'm like, oh, I'm 31 and it's about this time. No, 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 no. We still young. That's what yeah. like, <laughs> I'm like. Oh, I'm oh, I'm 30. I'm like, nah. Nah, partnership is way more important than the glitz and glam for me. One of the things that I've always thought about too in that regard is that like. It, if I look at my best friends or I look at friendships that have stood the test of time, that's mm-hmm. over a decade. Mm-hmm. So I can't go into meeting someone and thinking in six months, four months, all right, we, we lock and keep. No, 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 no. It's going to take a lot more time to start to I mean, see. And I'm not saying a lot more time, like years, but yeah. I'm saying we have to go. There are a lot of core things that happen in that time frame that it's like, okay, we went through a difficult experience. How do we move through that? We're gonna have to. Mm-hmm. How did we? Did we communicate through that? How do we right. get through that? Like, right, like, right. What did we do? And it's not a test or anything. It's just that in time things are going to occur. So I need to see you in different facets and make sure that we're on the same page of how we're approaching things. Or you're showing me a different perspective of how to approach. A, a situation to be solved that I can be like, oh, well, I never thought about it like that. You know what I mean? Like it has to be, uh, I, there has to be more than just attraction. And yeah, for sure. Very surface level that. And look, when you, let me say something. I tell you, when you on your shit and you, you know what I'm saying? You, you doing all the right things. You start to look attractive, even if you wasn't attractive from the beginning. So okay. that's more attractive. That's more of a long-term turn on. Cause you could be as cute as you want, but if you ain't getting shit done, and you ain't making moves, nigga. You you gonna start looking real ugly. Like you not listen, <laughs> listen. It's not gonna be cute no more. <laughs> it ain't gonna be cute. They said something about uh, <laughs> listen. It's not. It's not. But I'm here for it. I'm speaking. I'm manifesting it, honey. I'm manifesting mm-hmm. it in your life. I'm here for it. You deserve. Nah, it's gonna happen. You deserve it all. Um, I want to close off and just ask one last question. Um, Describe your journey thus far. If you, if you can in three words and explain why. Okay. Woo. Three. I mean, the first word is a roller coaster because there's been a lots of ups and downs for sure. Mm -hmm. There's like a high and then there's like a low. Uh, but again, appreciative of all of it. Cause I've learned each one. I've learned so much about myself in order to be prepared for whatever I'm manifesting. Um, the second one would, I would say truly blessed. Mm. Uh, I used to say lucky, but now I change it to blessed because, you know, I come from, I look at everybody around me, you know, my siblings or my cousins and, everything else. And it just seemed like every time I was in a bad situation or I could have been, you know, where they are, it was like an angel came and just picked me up out of a situation and moved me away. Like it was like, I dodged so many bullets (laughs) as to what a black female statistic could be. I definitely could have been one of them. Um, given the environments that I've been in and the situations that I've been in and someone just always like a guardian angel always comes to save the day. So blessed. A uh, roller coaster. The third, hmm. 
I would have to say the third has just, I would say untraditional. Um, I've always taken the road less traveled and I have come to live, when I say untraditional, it's just, I've just, my whole entire journey has been living outside my comfort zone. Yeah. Uh, I have never been truly comfortable for a while, whether it's me moving to different con- another country or continent to being going to Bucknell in the middle of nowhere. Girl. <laughs> Talk about it. To, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to do even getting a PhD, never would have thought, you know, been the first. Like that that to me was not traditional at all, living in Ithaca, New York. Uh, just always doing things. I mean, there's a way to do things that everyone says, and then Nadia is always just going to find an opposite alternative route. And so that's just been my life and my journey. You see, you're a hustler. Oh, definitely. That's one. Yeah. That's one. That's one thing about you. Well, <laughs> you know, your dad said he wanted a doctor in the family. You yeah, I definitely said, okay, my life definitely, okay, if I had a fourth word, an honorary <laughs> word, you know, honorable mention would have been, yeah, hustle for hustle. sure. Hustle, hustle, yeah. God, like, when yeah. I tell you, Nadia is a hustler, and like, in the in the most positive way, you know what I'm saying, and when I say that, it's just because, like, you can't tell her no, oh, you said no, hold on, let me find an alternate route, <laughs> and she will be right there figuring it out, like, oh, Okay, I heard you. Nah, this is gonna happen. Like you find <laughs> a way. You say roadblocks. She says no. There's another path. Even when you yeah. can't see a path at the time, and that's the hustle mentality. Like you not yeah. gonna tell somebody no. She gonna figure yeah. out a way to make. Well, it. I come from a family of hustlers. I just use my superpowers for good. You know. Well, I want to thank you so much, Nadia, for joining me. This has been truly a great conversation. Yes, um, I loved it. I'm like, you know, there's so much we could tackle in the conversation. Yes. We're going to focus on now. We're going to focus on now. Um, but, like, it's just been tremendous to see your growth, to experience your growth, like, as your friend um, and see you through each of those journeys that you mentioned even today on on today's call, like we come from PG County, then we had to go to Bucknell. Now we're talking about different journeys in different cities and be able to connect it all back and come back and be in the right. same city. Yeah. Like, and also been like, like neighbors, you know, the closest yeah. we've been since uh, Bucknell. So. Yes, yes, that's a fact. We yeah. also, like when I moved back to LA, Nadia, you know, opened her home to me when I first was transitioning here. So it definitely felt like college again. Um, <laughs> For a fact, going to parties and stuff, trying what to act like you were Nadia will tell you, I will pull her out and be like, "Girl, let's go get lit." <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to settle those fun girl ways down, but no, I fun. will say that like it's been a journey, and I'm still glad that we're in each other's lives, and I'm able to see you manifest so many things that you've talked about for years, and just to see them happen and be, you know, I'm there to support you through each of those things, um, regardless of whatever way things go. I appreciate it all. And yes, yeah. it's been fun. It's been a good, it's been good to have a road dog like you. Yes, girl. We, we, we don't we tell them anymore, but anything else we've done together, we have to keep it clean. Very clean. It's been fun. It's been We're fun. Okay. It's been fun, y'all. <laughs> we, we here. We here. Look at God. <laughs> but I usually like to close out the episode with a quote that ties back to my guest's fear. So the quote that I have comes from Zig Ziglar. And the quote is, today be thankful and think how rich you are.
Your family is priceless. Your time is gold and your health is wealth. Yes, that sums up the whole conversation. <laughs> you might have to, you know, send me that. I'm going to send you that outside, but I gave it everything. You know what I'm saying? Yes, it brought everything together. together. Well, guys, until next time, I'm wishing yes. you love, love you. light, and peace of mind inside of your home. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Wash them hands, y'all. Wash your hands. Yeah. And, you know, just just keep yourself, keep keep positive thoughts and light this time we will get through this together and again Nadia thank you so much did you want to say anything before we close out um no I just would tell everyone listening like keep living your life to the best of your ability um you know the best thing is to live outside your comfort zone and be grateful along the way amen and with that it's your girl Phyllis Kia and we out Bye-bye. bye bye <laughs>